Hello and welcome to episode 27 of the Long Shot Podcast, brought to you by 342 Productions. I'm your host, Duncan Robinson, and I'm here with newlywed Davis Reed. Davis, welcome in, my guy. I am reporting live from a honeymoon, Duncan. Um, I'll keep it vague where I am, but I am looking out at the ocean at the moment, and my now wife is on her morning walk. Uh, so you're making me, you know, I kicked her out of the hotel for this podcast, which, you know, she loves the long shot, so she's all on board for, but I might be starting the marriage off in the doghouse. Couple things to unpack there. One, I feel like we've checked the box that you're actually not coming in live, that this is all previously recorded. Uh, I guess <laughs> our conversation is happening live, but for those listening, it is very much not live. Two, if you're watching on YouTube, looks like you got a nice little setup going on down there. The long, Come on now. The long shot must be killing it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Look, I am, I'm coming fresh off of a wedding, an unbelievable uh, event that you were you know, a star of. You were bringing it uh, the whole night. But I, here's a question for you. Whose life changed more this week? Because I got married. You signed a new contract. I, I think you could argue that you actually had a bigger week than I did. I hate that angle. Um, but I will say this. I was actually thinking about this. It's funny that you brought it up. And I could honestly argue that from either perspective. I could say that your life really didn't change that much because all you did was actually just, you know, get married. You already live with your fiance. You guys have been together for 13 years. I think now on this podcast, that story is well documented. Um, so in that regard, I don't think your life really changed that much. But I could also turn around and say the same thing about me in that now that I've signed this contract, there's not really anything that I'm going to do tomorrow or next week that I wouldn't do otherwise, if that makes sense, which maybe sounds like kind of well, crazy, but like, I'm not like, you know, I'm not now going to the Rolls Royce dealership to, you know, to get a new car. Like, that's just, I'm just not doing that. Well, you absolutely should. I mean, what, are you kidding me? I, let's not, you know, let's not beat around the bush here. $90 million over five years, Dunk. I think you deserve to splash out on something. It's fair. Uh, I, I haven't, that's actually a question that everyone keeps asking me. What's your first purchase going to be? I haven't gotten that far yet. Um, my first actual purchase after officially agreeing to the deal was a, uh, I was driving in the car back from the airport. I uh, stopped by Locos Cocos Tacos in Kittery, Maine and picked up some, <laughs> uh, some good old, you know, New Hampshire or sorry, New England, uh, Mexican food, uh, for the, for the family picked it up and, and we just enjoyed some Locos Cocos Tacos. So if you were thinking that I was going to do like, you know, some lavish dinner at a, you know, Carbone or like, you know, something real spicy, uh, no, just some, some classic, uh, you know, New England tacos. Unbelievable. I hope you ordered one or two extra tacos uh, just in, in, in celebration. Where do you want to start? We have a lot to unpack here. It's just the two of us this week uh, because there was so much that happened in the last, you know, whatever it is, four or five days. Do you want to start? You want to go chronologically? Maybe we just briefly recap the wedding and then we get to, uh, you know, everything that went down with you. Yeah, well, if, if we're going to start chronologically, then I feel that we have a, a service that we have to fulfill, which is to tell talk about the bachelor party. Because I will oh, say, yeah. after alluding to the bachelor party 
<laughs> last week i got a lot of comments and we got a lot of comments talking about i need some bachelor party insight so i think we just touch on that <laughs> briefly uh and, sure. and then we can transition into the wedding festivity so i'm actually going to spearhead this operation and come out Please and do. say i haven't been included in a lot of bachelor parties this is only my second uh but i can honestly say that as long as I live, this bachelor party will always be one of one. Um, and it was so fitting. Like like the bachelor party lined up with who the groom was. And you could just tell like there were so many comments throughout the weekend of like, yeah, this makes sense that for Davis Reed's bachelor party, this is what we're doing. It was, uh, yeah. So, you know, my brother was my best man. So, uh, by the way, I am, my voice is completely You're struggle busting it over because, there. And I appreciate, I appreciate so you I, fighting through the fatigue. I apologize to the listeners. My, you know, we've been going through it in the last, the last week, but uh bachelor party was, was amazing. My brother was my best man. We, uh, we, de- you know, we debated what we wanted to do exactly. But like you said, I wanted to, to stay true to myself. I, you know, my, my uh, group of friends, we have a little bit of a goofy side. So what we decided to do was we did a little bowling and dinner to kick the night off. Uh, we went to Dave and Buster's. We did some arcade games. Uh, and then we go out and hit the town in Kansas City and you know, the, the night goes from there. But it was unbelievable, unbelievable group of guys. Uh, you were there, Dunk, as one of them. So I appreciate I, you. And that actually... I feel like you're slow playing that a little bit. Um, th- there's there's a couple important caveats to, to kind of touch on. Um, one of them being that an, a requirement for that evening was that you had to be dressed in a two-piece matching <laughs> set. So, in other words, basically some version of a jumpsuit. So we all were rocking, and 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 mind you, there were some some suits that were pretty far out there. We had a uh, we had like a, a velour cheetah suit that was a, a shorts yes. and, a, and a collared shirt top. We had a Rugrats. Uh, jumpsuit, which was, that's just impressive. I don't even know where you picked that up. Uh, I just rocked the straight pink top with the pink bottoms, like the hot pink. Hot pink. Um, Yeah, what else? Uh, You had some sort of like floral. It honestly looked like you were wearing like a tablecloth uh, without being too disrespectful. That's kind of what it looked like. Um, But yeah, so, so mind you, we're going around Kansas City in a party bus. All dressed, all dressed in matching. Well, not matching, but we had the matching two-piece suits. Uh, we're popping in and out of bowling, which I, I don't want to like pat myself on the back too hard. I hadn't bowled in a while. I was, I was pretty impressed with my performance. Uh, you were underwhelming. Well, my team won. I just want to be clear. My team won. You were a, so let's just, you let's were a little underwhelming, but you're right. You guys did come out on top. Then we proceeded to go to Dave & Buster's. Where, mind you, this is a Thursday night in, you know, outside the outskirts of Kansas City out of Dave and Buster's. People are just, you know, majority of the people there are just, you know, with, with their kids trying to have a good time. Here we come in rolling in with a, a crew of, what, 10 of us uh, all matching. Yeah. And we're just like dominating all these different spaces. The Papa shot, the football, t- like all this different stuff. So we spent like a good, what, 90 minutes there? Probably, yeah. And then didn't even do anything social until until probably about midnight yeah oh yeah but then we were out for a while then we were out for a while being social look the other piece to add here is a lot of my friends that are at this are athletes or former former athletes and and some current 
So we're, we've got some height to us, you know, like you're probably the tallest in that group, but not by a wide margin. Like we've got some size. And so we're rolling in, in these two piece outfits. Like you said, you're in hot pink. We got a guy in rug rats. We're, we're an eclectic group. And there were a lot of eyes on us. I, I think the highlight of my night was walking into dinner in that outfit. And we're, you know, the night had just gotten started. So we're not, we don't really have the uh, uh, energy or the, you know, the extracurricular activities to, you know, maybe. Social, uh, social s- lubricant, maybe? Yes, the, the social lubricant to avoid uh, noticing the eyes that were on us when we walked in. I think people immediately were like, oh my God. What is this group getting into? Um, and so that was that was a highlight. But no, look, it was a blast. And then that takes us just right into the whole weekend, which is which is amazing. You and I were talking about this, but I think really for me, the thing that stuck out the most from the weekend is having all of your favorite people in the world in one place to celebrate you is really overwhelming. I mean, at, at points, I honestly felt guilty. That's like, because I have so many friends from, I went to school in New England, I lived in Los Angeles, so I have a ton of friends who flew in, bought flights, bought hotels to come celebrate me and Casey for the weekend. And that was, you know, it's just, it, I was incredibly grateful for that. But to see friends that I hadn't seen for years, to get our group from Exeter back together, we hadn't been together as a full unit in years. It was just, it was, it was overwhelming. And then, and then the wedding was just magical. I want to, uh, I want to get to you at the wedding because I just want to give you your flowers here on the podcast. You're going through a weekend that's shaping the next, you know, four or five years of your life. There's a lot going on. You're stepping out during the bachelor party to take calls from your agent. You're stepping out during rehearsal dinner to take calls from your agent. You've got a lot going on, but you were there through it all. You didn't take any of the spotlight away from me, which honestly you should have because what you were going through was, probably more exciting. Like you said, I was just marrying the woman that I've been with for over a decade. Uh, you were going through a lot of, uh, new experiences, you know? And so look, I, uh, I am incredibly grateful for you as well because you were there for it all. You were there to support me and, uh, you still were able to take care of your business through it all. I, uh, I appreciate that. I think you're probably giving me a little bit too much credit. Uh, obviously the weekend was all about you guys. So my my objective was to basically just kind of navigate in silence my my situation somewhat regrettably and I think this speaks more to you guys the the collective kind of like wedding party is that you guys were all incredibly invested in in my situation as well, which meant a lot. Um, I was still trying to kind of navigate it silently, but every time I would like return back to the room, you'd be like, "What's going on? What's going on?" Uh, and and truth was, I oftentimes I had very little information. Um, and just because that that whole process of you know the days leading up to free agency, it's such a whirlwind because as you can imagine there's so much noise and there's so many rumors out there floating around that it's so hard to lock into what's actually legitimate and what's just noise that that's being, uh, you know, calculate, calculatedly, calculatedly. Um, that's not a word. What's the word? (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll roll with it. Um, that is being strategically, that is being strategically put out there, uh, by a particular front office or a particular agent or, or what have you. So, um, it was, I I will say this, like everyone was like, Oh, this must be such a stressful time. 
honestly, I never really got to the point where I was stressed. One, because I felt good about the situation from the jump, and maybe that's my naivete. By the way, I butchered that word on a previous episode, and I just want to say that I came back strong and got it. Maybe that was my naivete. Uh, or two, wow. may, maybe it was that I just had like a certain level of confidence that you know there was a mutual uh, respect between Miami and myself and that we could make something work. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought. But uh, yeah, so at, at, at this point during the weekend, I'm still kind of just trying to figure out what's what. It's not like I'm like, no, this offer versus this this offer. It, it doesn't really work like that. And I didn't know that <laughs> leading into this weekend. I've learned a lot about free agency after this weekend, as you can maybe imagine. Like more often than not, the conversations are just with my agent trying to like get the temperature of what's going on. And that's not even like going on in terms of like, oh, this is what Miami's offering or this, blah, blah, blah. No, it's not even that. It's more so just trying to get a gauge of the, the actual market, um, which, as maybe you can imagine, is a little bit of a, I don't want to say frustrating, but it's like, all right, I've been waiting for this buildup. I mean, really, let's be honest here, past this summer, but particularly since our season ended, it's like, all right, now we switch on to free agency. So now that it's like finally ticking down the clock to get there, I'm like, all right, still nothing's happening, you're telling me? Like, still, it's just kind of like, you know, up in the air. Um, But the reason that I wasn't like overly anxious or nervous or whatever is because I just kind of had the peace of mind in the back of my mind of like, you know what, at this point, I can't really fuck it up. Like, you know, like the hay's already in the barn, so to speak. Uh, I'm already like surpassed any sort of whatever outcome that I, I could have ever like imagined three, four, five, six, seven years ago. Um, so like that gave me the kind of perspective to be like, you know what, what happens tomorrow, tomorrow being Monday, the start of free agency, uh, will happen. And until then, let's just, uh, you know, have a couple adult beverages and and enjoy my, uh, my dear friend Davis Reed and watch him marry the love of his life. I guess, I I suppose that makes sense. I, I'm not buying that you at no point were stressed because I get it. Like we, you didn't expect to be here three years ago. Of course you didn't, but there are still so many decisions for you to make. And you broke this down a little bit last week, but being a restricted free agent, you know, your first conversations are with Miami, right? But you don't really have any sense of what other offers could be out there. And you've talked about this and we know that you love Miami and you had every intention to stay in Miami, but there's still this kind of unknown that you're not able to get a pulse on while you're having these conversations with your agent. Is that on your mind at all? Or how are you approaching that aspect of it? I don't love that we've completely shifted away from wedding talk. I feel like there's some more there that we need to unpack. I'll answer your question, but I just want to point out that we're coming back to the wedding. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's obviously as a restricted free agent, it's different. It's not like I'm looking at all these different options and all things are quote unquote equal. Like it's it's very different. The fact that I'm restricted, teams other teams are less likely to pursue a, pursue an, an offer sheet um, just out of the the prospect that in all likelihood, depending on where it is, how much of you know how much it is, I should say that Miami would likely match. So that kind of forces you to have your initial conversations with Miami. And for me, being in the situation that I was in, 
I wanted that to be the case anyway. A perfect outcome for me was returning to Miami on a deal that that we really felt comfortable with. Um, so in that regard, it was always going to be Miami first. Let's let's try to make something with Miami work, and then we'll go from there. The the part that was challenging, and this comes back to the noise, is like there's so much out there, and you hear from all these different. Uh, media outlets or, or whatever that, you know, so-and-so needs shooting or so-and-so really likes you. And I'm not, and I don't even mean from my agent. I just mean in general, like you just get this, you, whether or not, you know, you can try to put up the walls, but the reality is it always kind of like trickles through that there's always this kind of noise. And for me, what was challenging was like, having to gauge what was real and what was not. And that's where I give a ton of credit to my to my agent, um, Jason Glushan, because that's ultimately his job, right? Like that's what what he's hired, obviously to push push the number and get it favorable on our terms to the deal that we ultimately agree upon. But in those situations of kind of waiting in the balance, being able to determine to me, okay, this is this is what might actually be real. And then this is like something we shouldn't pay attention to. So because once again, like we aren't allowed to have conversations with other teams prior to the start of free agency. So all of it is just like the general, you know, feeling out the market, which is such a vague and kind of like challenging to pin down situation. Um, but that's why like Miami was ultimately for me felt like it was going to be the best situation because it was something that I was really familiar with. I felt like I had built equity within the organization, you know, the coaching staff, the front office, the fans, even the city, something I was familiar with. Um, and the opportunity, like, you know, we're able to to get somebody like Kyle um, and, and have that opportunity to be a part of a, a really good team um, and be really valued. So once it, once like push came to shove and, and 6 p.m. came around on, on Monday um, and things started to move really quickly, which is its own you know whole thing, um, it became clear pretty quickly that, that Miami was the, the right situation. Can we talk about Woj's long shot pod mm. shout out? Man. I mean, could things have gone any better for the long shot pod this weekend? We have a wedding, we have a new contract, and then here's a piece that I wasn't expecting at all. We get a long shot shout out from a Woj bomb. That was special uh, for a variety of reasons. I think it was uh, who sent us, somebody sent us in a, in a group chat, uh, Worldwide Wobs tweet of like how there's no more free scoops, free scoops, uh, in that the long shot pod is officially changing the game. Um, but yeah, to sneak that in there of, of the, uh, the iconic Woj bomb, a long shot shout out was, uh, truly special. I felt like it was a, uh, a galvanizing moment for our community and that now all of a sudden so many people, cause we, we really do feel like we have a strong community, like whether it be, you know, social media or if like we're walking around and people are like, Oh, I love the long shot. Like, I feel like people take a lot of pride, but with that being said, it's still like, it's a little understated, you know, it's still kind of a diamond in the rough. So for Woj who has the, at least in the, in the sports world, Monday at 6 PM has the biggest platform. Everybody's tuned in. Everybody's dialed in. Everybody's got the, uh, the tweet notifications lined up to have the long shot pod, get an app in a Woj bomb. I mean, that's just, that's special, truly. 
I think you said it best. We made it as a long shot community, not me and you, all of us. We made it when that tweet went out. Uh, for those who may not know, what we're referencing here is that when Woj broke the news that Duncan was signing back in Miami, he referred to him as Duncan Robinson, host of the long shot pod. So, Dunk, you are now just synonymous with it. Actually, it almost made it sound like the Heat were signing a podcaster uh, rather than a than a hooper. But obviously, we know that that's not the case. I uh, the the true chef's kiss would have been if it was co-host of the Long Shot Pod with Davis Reed and <laughs> and also giving you an at uh, that would have been like you know the grand slam. Um, but you know, we we'll, we'll take what we can get uh, from from the man, the myth, the legend, Adrian Wojnarowski. But uh, yeah, I mean that that was pretty cool. I feel like more people hit me up about that. Like, dude, it's so cool that the Long Shot Pod got a plug uh, <laughs> than the actual contract. Which I I want to I want to actually talk about people reaching out. I felt like an outpour of support, which meant a whole lot. You know, obviously the text to me personally, we're all overwhelmingly positive. Of course, there's the noise out there of like, oh, he, you know, he sucks. He, he's now, he averages 13 points a game, blah, blah. You're going to pay him <laughs> 90, all that noise, whatever. Uh, and I'm quickly learning, and I knew this coming in, that like now everything changes, right? Because you go from like the guy who's been outperforming his minimum contract for the last two years to now I have heightened expectations, which I should. Somebody gets paid x amount of dollars you know a certain amount of of expectation should come tied in with that but anyways i want to talk about the text that i receive and not to like pat myself on the back but like i've i've played on big stages i've had a bunch of eyeballs on me and people text me after games that i play well or we win or whatever and it's to a very different tone because they're talking about your performance it changes a little bit and maybe that's just me and how I'm looking at it when now all of a sudden everybody is hitting you up talking about how much money you have (laughs) or how much money you are going to have. And it's, it's very different because like, I think people kind of get that too. And they like try to navigate that. And I I appreciate it. I'm not like coming at anybody for reaching out. I, I appreciate everybody that reached out and it meant a lot, but it's just such a weird situation. It just comes back to that idea that like, professional sports is such a strange industry because everybody knows exactly how much money you make. And there's an exact way to compare you to a counterpart in that you're making more than this person. So you should be better than this person or so on and so forth. Um, Obviously it's not a perfect science and that's not how it works, but it was just so funny hearing from all these different people. And it's like, okay, they're, they're congratulating me on, on now like having money which is it's just a weird concept (laughs) i i have people hitting me up dunk like hey can you tell dunk let me hold a dollar it's like what are we doing what are we doing here it it is it's absurd in no other world can you like you said can you find out exactly to the cent what guys are are getting paid so i apologize that you're going through that and I apologize then that I'm leading off this episode with reminding people that you have uh, now a five-year, $90 million contract. But I'm going to say, say it one more time, a five-year, $90 million contract. Here, we were talking about the Woj tweet where he gave us the long shot pod shout out. The other thing that was in that tweet is that this is the largest contract for an undrafted player ever. So let me just take in that you don't like people talking about how much money you've made now or are going to make. But I do want to 
uh, just let it be known that, you know, this is the long shot pod. We're all about recognizing the underdog story. You are an underdog. You're an undrafted player. You now have the largest contract in NBA history for an undrafted player. Let's get a round of applause, everybody. All right. Well, if you listen to this podcast at all, you know I'm going to push back on that claim uh, because <laughs> it's a little bit there, – there's some semantics involved uh, in that – Fred Van Fleet actually signed the largest year-by-year uh, year value contract for an undrafted player. I think he's up over 20. Uh, total contract worth, you can say that I have the largest, um, but mine was over five for 90. His was over, his was 80-something over four. I think it was like 85 Hold or 86. Hold on. It's, it's, not, it's not you can say, it's you should say because it's a fact. What you're saying is a fact. Well, it just depends on what angle you want to take. I think somebody could say that Fred signed the largest for an undrafted player, and I think that they would also be right. Fine. Fair enough. Either way, look, man, we're just trying to – I'm all about giving you your flowers on this podcast. I know you hate it, but if if no other day, today we are going to be giving each other flowers. I think that's only right. Yeah, I mean – I think that the flowers should actually be given to your now wife uh, in that I'm going to bring it back to the wedding. You guys put on one of the greatest celebrations that I've ever been a part of. Once again, I haven't been to a lot of weddings, um, but this one was absolutely just a blast. What I really appreciated about it is that it was about the party. You had the ceremonies, probably about 30 minutes. Uh, Gabe, who was the officiant, absolutely killed it. So, Gabe, there's your shout-out. I know you're looking for it. Uh, shout-out, Gabe. Gabe killed it. Uh, relatively brief ceremony. wasn't, like, you know, super long. Uh, we get right to dinner, basically, right to it. We uh, do a speech from both the fathers, and then you guys had a little dance in there somewhere. There was no first dance with the the mom and the dad. Like it was just okay. Check that box. Everyone's eaten. Let's have a good time. And I think that that was like kind of the the ethos of the party. Like let's just all be together and celebrate. And uh, you know, from a party goer's standpoint, it was just fantastic. Uh, and and it was a wonderful evening to to celebrate two people that I love very much. I appreciate you saying that. Yes, the emphasis was going to be on the party. In fact, at one point, the DJ came up to me and Casey and he said, hey, your friends are kind of dominating the dance floor. I think I need to mix in some 70s and 80s hits for the older folks here. We said, no, no, no. We want our friends out there. You keep playing ludicrous. All right, let's, let's get wild. And it actually takes me to a point in the night where he's playing uh, Fantasy by Ludacris. Not the explicit version, but it's hard to have a version of that song that isn't explicit. And I see my grandmother right. out on the dance Suggestive. floor. Just sway. It, she's, just, she's just swaying back and forth. You know, she does, she's not listening to the lyrics, but she's having a good time because it was a party. That dance floor was filled the entire night. It was, it was incredible. It, again, I mean, honestly overwhelmed. The theme of this week for me is overwhelmed. There was just so much good going on. You know how JJ talks to you about reference points in your basketball career? Like it's important, it's important to have reference points when things are going well. This past yeah. week has been a reference point for me, just in life. You know what I mean? Like it's just been, it was so much good in a four-day span 
that I genuinely was overwhelmed by it. And I'm now just sort of having to like decompress and go through everything that happened. Uh, one of which was my grandmother dancing to fantasy. So shout out to Mimi. I know she listens to this podcast every week. Thank you for uh, getting down on the dance floor to, to songs that I know you aren't too familiar with. I appreciate that. There's also another very underrated part of the weekend. Uh, probably doesn't compare to Mimi dancing to fantasy, but uh, Saturday, prior to the rehearsal dinner, you held a pickup game for everybody that was a part of the wedding. Yes. And it was a legit 15. Basically, everybody was a college basketball player at one point in their life. Uh, I did not play. I had to remove myself from the from the pickup game, uh, as well as another one of your friends, Siobhan Shields, uh, who's had an illustrious career overseas. And I think he's going to be making an appearance stateside professionally here soon. Uh, anyways, but yeah, we, yes. we had to watch. But to watch you and... Uh, I don't want to say that they're they're now out of shape, but a, a handful of guys that really once were were high level college players still have the competitive fire to really go at each other in a wedding day pickup session uh, was was special. It's so funny. It it was elite. It was elite, by the way. Yes, I basically invited everyone who I've played basketball with before uh, to come play pickup on Saturday morning. So some former high school teammates, some former Exeter teammates, some former college teammates. And not everybody knew each other. So I tried to break up teams evenly uh, based on matchup, based on size. And I think we did a pretty good job. It was pretty competitive. But the number one rule was no one gets hurt, especially me. I have a wedding tomorrow, guys. So let's just, you know, we, I want to play hard. I want it to be competitive, but no one gets hurt. First play of the game, we get an elbow thrown into a chest and a guy kind of crumbles. And it's like, guys, what are we doing here? We have to reevaluate. Uh, so it was amazing how it sort of bounced back and forth from really competitive because all these guys want to win and they're all former athletes, but then everyone having moments of like, okay, hold on. We're a, we're a little out of shape. B, uh, let's make sure the groom doesn't get hurt and C let's make sure we're not uh, injuring each other because it's not that important to any of us anymore, but it was a ton of fun. Uh, you were supposed to coach or ref one of the two and you didn't either. You just sat there and watched, but I do appreciate you being there uh, in attendance. I supported from the sideline. Uh, I, I had some social commentary as well, uh, just you know, amongst the group that was watching. But yeah, I, I just think it's like, and once again, not not coming at anybody, but obviously, like physically, everyone's not in their their prime, but mentally, everybody still has that competitive fire, and that's just something that you can't like turn off. Like you can say, like, hey, I'm getting married tomorrow. Like, don't try to chase me down on a fast break. But when you're in that moment it's really hard to turn that off. It, it, there were a lot of moments of like, it got dicey a little bit. Like some guys were talking, you know, running their mouth a little bit and, uh, and not even necessarily guys that like knew each other. Like it kind of went to that place, which I appreciated uh, just from a, a spectator standpoint. That's always when you know that you have good pickup is when guys are friendly, but still competitively talking shit to each other. It's like, once that started happening between, like you said, my friends that didn't really know each other going in, I was like, all right, this was a success. I want to transition to you. We're just going to spend this episode bouncing back and forth, uh, kind of deferring stories about, uh, about each other. Can you take me, because we haven't discussed this, can you take me to the phone call when you knew that this deal was going to happen and just what that moment was like for you? Yeah. So, uh, 
I was I had just landed in Boston. Um, I had gotten off a, a plane from Kansas City, where obviously I was uh, celebrating you guys. And uh, I land. I got in the car with my dad at exactly 6 p.m. Eastern time, which is when all the free agency fiasco starts. At this point, you know, I was I was feeling pretty confident that there would be a deal. I also thought in my head of like, what if my flight got delayed and then I was like in the air at the start of free agency and like. You know, I, I missed some call and they like went a different direction and my entire life has changed because of course it would be American Airlines that held me back. Um, <laughs> anyways, I'm, I'm driving in the car and I still think it's just so crazy how Woj bombs, uh, Shams bombs, they just start firing off right at 6.01. And I think the first one to break was like the Lonzo and then the dominoes just start to go. Um, and at that point, you know, a, a little ways in, I get a call, or actually, I get a I get a text uh, from a, a Heat front office member uh, sharing an Instagram login with me, and it was like they had made me my own Instagram account, and I logged into the Instagram account after some technical difficulties. I will say, maybe that's a story for another time, <laughs> but the point being is that eventually I got in, and they had basically created an Instagram account for me, and it had. Uh, all these pictures posted on the profile that were kind of about my time in Miami and, and that they'd love to have me back and all this sort of stuff. And that was a cool moment. And then shortly after I heard from uh, Spo, Spo FaceTime me and we were going back and forth and there was, there was a funny moment of that too. He's like, uh, he's like, Oh yeah. So what are you doing tonight to celebrate? And I'm just like, Oh, you know, we're going to pick up some food and, and just kind of hang and eat. And he's, he's like, all right, well do me a favor. Like, Mixing an ice cream or like get a bottle of wine or something. He's like, he's like, he's like, did Jason, Jason's my age. He's like, did Jason like tell you the numbers? Like, do you know how much you're now making? Like you should go celebrate. I was like, yeah, you know, I think I'm just gonna, you know, we're gonna head over to my sister's house and, uh, and just eat some to go Mexican food. So it, it was a pretty understated evening, but I will say like the crazy thing is that usually when I get all these texts after a game, I get to my phone probably like 45 minutes after the game's over. So all the texts are already in there. At that moment, as soon as it were released, obviously once everybody saw it, they they just like go to text me. So at that point, it was the first time really in my life that I have my phone on me and my phone is just going crazy. Like I just put it down. I was just like, I can't even, I can't even get wrapped up in this. I, not to like, once again, I'm so popular, but like, I, it, it, we were getting up there in the hundreds of, of text messages. Um, and at a certain point I was just so grateful, but I was also like a little bit overwhelmed. So, uh, and then once again, like there's also this weird feeling of it doesn't quite hit you. And, and truthfully, truth be told, like it hasn't quite hit me. I, I'm still wondering as to when it will. Um, because as, as of right now, my life really has not changed at all other than like people just now, know how much money I make, um, very publicly or am going to make, cause I haven't made any of it yet, but, uh, but yeah, we'll see how that all, all plays out. I'll keep you posted on a future episode. Thank you. It hearing you talk about this takes me back to last off season last year. I was with you down in Miami. We were actually, I was down there because we were starting our conversations about the long shot pod uh, and sort Love of it. starting to game plan a vision board of what this show was going to look like. But I remember I was with you the night that Bertans and Joe Harris signed their deals. And we knew 
that those were kind of going to be your benchmarks going into this offseason. And I remember they both signed for, you know, whatever it was, 17 and a half and 18 million or whatever, whatever they, those contracts ended up being. And I remember you put your phone down when, when I can't remember who signed first, but when the second one hit, you put your phone down, you put your hands in your head and you were just like, dude, that is so much fucking money because we knew that you were, you, you are a better shooter than those guys and you were going to be in the range that those guys were in. And so I say that to say, I think you've had the year to know that if I take care of business, this is what's going to happen. So maybe it wasn't as, as much of a shock for you as it may seem. Because uh, it seems like, at least on the exterior, when I was around you this past week, you were very calm and collected through the whole thing. And so when you're in the car with your dad and you get this Instagram login and you get the call from Spo. I understand that, you know, maybe it's not like hitting you all at once. You've sort of known that this could be coming. But then, like you say, also, maybe it just hasn't hit yet. I'll also say that I was in the car with my girlfriend because I've, I've yet to uh, show her any love on this podcast. And she reminds me of that weekly. And she's also a weekly listener. So I feel like uh, <laughs> she deserves her, her moment in the sun. Uh, but yeah, so we were, we were just driving. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like. There, there was that that happened last year, and if anything, that just kind of gave me, it put me in a ballpark of like, okay, if I if I handle my business, this is what happens, and it's not even about like, and this is what I've kind of learned about free agency, it's not even always about like, oh, so-and-so is better than so-and-so, so so-and-so should make more money. So much of it is just kind of dependent on the situation um, and the scenario and, and when you're a free agent and you know, who, who also is in your class and who has money. Like there are so many outside variables. Um, but with that being said last year, when I saw those guys sign for those numbers, it like put me in a ballpark and provided a benchmark, like you mentioned. So, I mean, yeah, in, in many ways, like I, I definitely didn't like see this on the horizon of like, I'm for sure going to lock in for this amount of money or whatever, but I had a general feeling of like, okay, probably around August 2nd, uh, my my contract situation is going to look a lot different, and that's kind of why I come back to the uh, the like can't fuck it up mentality. Because like at a certain point, it's like all right, whether it was going to be fifteen a year, sixteen a year, seventeen a year, eighteen a year, somewhere in there, it's like all right, is there really that much that you can do with ninety? million dollars that you can't do with 75 or 80 right like at some point like wealth is is just wealth and once again i feel so strange talking about my own money publicly like this this is a, a big exercise in in growth um but yeah i mean it's it's more so just about like i i still haven't fully wrapped my mind around the magnitude i guess you could say last thing on money and then we can move on can we stop with the instagram ads now maybe Oh, that's a good one. Uh, I actually got a funny, uh, this is probably right around, probably maybe in June or something, I, I posted an Instagram ad and Joe Ingles responded to it. And he was like, dude, you're a free agent. You're about to sign a new deal. Can you please stop posting these? <laughs> and, and we've had we've had Joe on this podcast and you know, I've gone back and forth with a bunch uh, on the on the court and stuff, but like, still, I don't have like a like 
really close friendship with him but it's just like it was so funny to hear that from him of like dude just chill out with, with the ig ads but uh to answer your question no we actually unfortunately cannot stop i have a few uh others that are actually on the horizon so be on the lookout for those um just because i i have some duties that i need to fulfill prior agreements that uh are still ongoing so yeah, unfortunately for Fine. all of my followers, you're going to see some more ad content. I will say, though, I'm going to try to also mix in some more personal content as well. But with that being said, a lot of my personal content exists on this podcast, whether it be through YouTube or uh, you know just via the, the audio itself. That's a great question, though. Yeah, that's fair. We haven't, we've been trying to get you to uh, show a little more on on instagram so it's not just ad after ad so that's fine that's a good compromise if you're mixing in some more personal posts uh we can keep an ad every every once in a while all right i'm done with the money let's talk about the length of the contract so you got five years in miami are you just working your way to becoming mr 305 uh what's the deal here we know that you love miami but now you're locked into five more years uh are we is a house purchase on the horizon maybe uh priority 1a is actually to upgrade the studio um, so that is Ooh. what, that's the box that's going to be checked first. Uh, so, you know, when I, when I am potentially looking at, at new places, a priority is going to be which one has the best studio setup or makeshift studio, I should say. So, uh, yeah, un unfortunately there's, there's a pretty solid chance. Well, I should probably, there, there's probably only a few more episodes coming live from the beloved white couch. Uh, that everybody's come to know. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see on, on a house purchase. I don't know. I'm keeping my options open. You know, we'll, uh, I, I'm nowhere near uh, Mr. 305 the, as a name. I think Pitbull has that one on lock. I think also uh, Udonis has the rightful claim to that as well. I'm a far cry away from that. But uh, but yeah, we'll see. I, I think first and foremost, like I said, is the, uh, is the studio upgrade, which I think is going to do wonders for this show. It's gonna, really going to take us to another level. I'm very excited. I'm going to start working Casey now that maybe we uh, make some extended stays down in Miami, especially if there's a, uh, a new studio that we can record, and that's extra incentive. Uh, but no, look, you, you've got this five-year deal now, which locks you into this core of Miami moving forward of you, Jimmy, Bam, and Kyle, which is an amazing core, uh, in my opinion. How does it feel just to get that commitment from Miami of like, look, you're our guy going forward. We want you part of what we're doing here. Yeah, I mean that was that was a huge part of it for me in that I I really wanted to feel valued and you know for me I feel like I'm able to be my best when I'm surrounded by really good players because I can create space for them and they can also create space and attention for me. So I think that the fact that they were and I think everybody knew that Miami would be aggressive, but that they were aggressive to make something happen, um, as well as, you know, one of their moves being bring me back meant meant a whole lot to me. And, you know, especially to, to get it on terms that, that we both could agree upon, uh, obviously as well. But um but yeah, I, I love the group that we have and I think that, you know, we'll see how the rest of free agency plays out. But, you know, from where it stands now, I think we we added you know, some physicality, some toughness, um, some playmaking, some shot making, uh, and, and just like a, a certain grit and toughness. I, I think for sure, you know, we're going to be playing, you know, as, as uh, Pat Riley likes to coin it, Miami Heat basketball. Absolutely. I love it. That, that uh, actually is a perfect segue into our Reddit 
question of the week, which actually is more of a Reddit post of the week. This comes from Lopia or Lop182. They said this offseason, the Miami Heat have signed a free agent from each of the three previous NBA champions. So you've got Kyle, the Raptors, you've got Markeith and the Lakers, and you've got PJ and the Bucks, now all Miami Heat uh, uh, members. And like you said, that is a group that brings grit. I think we'll hear a lot about Miami culture with those three. Uh, if we're going like teams that you'd take in a bar fight, the Miami Heat have just catapulted themselves to the top of that list with just tough guys, gritty guys. Unfortunately, I don't think I can put you in that group yet, but you're surrounded by some dogs, which must make you feel pretty good. Yeah, I got some muscle in my corner for sure. I actually want to point out that that actually was not a Reddit question. That was a statement. Um, it's more of a this is our reddit statement of the week yeah yeah yeah. all right you should have clarified but yeah i mean uh i i alluded to the moves briefly but i think that it's interesting that that we have the championship pedigree now um i I didn't notice that it was as clear-cut as the last three nba champions we we took a, a member of each one but um i think all three of them do a lot of the things that require uh, that are required to win a championship and that it's so often winning a championship is between the margins. And obviously you have to have talent, you have to have really good players and guys that make shots and all sorts of stuff. But particularly those three guys, they win within the margins. They understand pivotal points and stretches of games and how that can move the needle. They understand the importance of 50-50 balls, defensive rebounding, offensive rebounding, all those sorts of things that really go into winning. Um so I think if nothing else, it just gives us more championship experience because that's what it's all about. And, um, it's all about winning and, uh, you know, we're, we're only as crazy as this sounds. We're like 10, nine, 10 months removed from playing in the finals. So obviously we had a disappointing, you know, season this past year in terms of outcome, but, uh, you know, we're not a far, far cry away from, you know, really, really competing, which I think is interesting. I think it's only nine, 10 months ago, but everybody feels like, you know, whatever the bubble was flukish or this or that. I mean, say what you want, but uh, especially with the addition of these guys, I think it, it, uh, it'll make us a tough out to say the least. Yep. Couldn't agree more. Um, all right, let's, you want to hit our long shot feature. We're getting to the point where I think Casey might be upset with me. So maybe we should wrap this up. Yeah. Let's, let's get this going so you can get on a beach somewhere. Um, yeah. Long shot feature, uh, Anna Kaisenhofer. A 30-year-old who has a PhD in mathematics and developed her own training program based on her postdoctoral research. She went to Tokyo without a professional contract, ranked 217th in the world, and didn't even appear on a list of pre-race contenders. She attacked first, broke away from the rest of the field early, and brought home Austria's first cycling gold medal since 1896. 1896. Um, that's incredible. I, I think it's, it's interesting, like the mathematical component of that and that like, it's such a physical event cycling, but then it, or at least on the surface, but then you see how important strategy and actually like calculating when you're going to push, when you're going to, you know, way back in the shadows, all that sort of stuff. Uh, shout out to, to Anna or maybe Anna for that. Yeah, it's, you know, we've had some Olympic-themed long-shot features the last couple of weeks. Last week, we tried to break down swimming, which neither of us know anything about. I don't know any more about cycling than I do about swimming. It's very little in both categories. But yeah, I mean, look, again, we're all about the underdog here. Anna, Anna comes in 217th 
217th in the world. No one expects her to win. And she beats all the odds. She walks away with a gold medal. So shout out to her. Um, another amazing underdog story. The Olympics has provided us some good ones. Absolutely. I mean, it makes sense that our long shots would be Olympic featured considering we are amidst the Olympics. Um, before we wrap up, I also, I, I left out a, a very fun anecdote of my free agency negotiations, uh, which are particularly relevant to the podcast in that my agent when negotiating with the Miami heat threw in the caveat that if we came back to Miami for the last ever long shot episode, Pat Riley would make an appearance. Whoa. So come on now. So I don't know when the last ever long shot episode will be, but, uh, Pat Riley has, has committed. We've locked in a guest. So the scheduling has been the nightmare of, of this of this podcast. It's been very challenging to schedule, um, particularly professional athletes. Uh, I have a, a newfound empathy for people that are trying to get a hold of me and trying to schedule stuff with me because I've now been on the other side of that and seen how difficult it's been to schedule with professional athletes. But uh, you can rest your head easy tonight, Davis, on your honeymoon because our last ever episode has already been scheduled, and that is Pat Riley, which is going to be a great time. The Godfather. I don't know if I could ask for for a better guest. Here's the weird thing about that, though. It's almost like there's incentive to never have that happen. I know because we don't want the, we don't want the long shot to come to a close. So maybe we'll try to do some renegotiating there, uh, where we get him on a little bit earlier. Maybe he, he does us a favor. Uh, because I don't want him to be our last guest. I'd rather him be our our next guest. So we'll we'll start uh, we'll start turning those wheels. That about wraps up this episode. Uh, we unpacked a whole lot there. We're going to be back to a guest next week. Uh, we actually had a guest lined up for this week, but you know we wanted to kind of keep it relatively brief. Didn't want to take too much of Dave's time while he's on his uh, honeymoon with his uh, new wife. But uh, yeah, thank you for tuning in. Been an eventful week uh, here at the Long Shot. We hope you guys enjoyed this one as much as we enjoyed recording it.